0: When I photograph, what I'm really doing is seeking answers to things. Great photography is about depth of feeling, not depth of field. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio, and this is Ward. Hey, Ward, how are you doing? We made it. <laughs> we made it a month. Hey, sorry, I was gonna say this is episode one thirty-four for the uh, end of uh, April. Yes, I'm gonna say. I made hope it so because
1: that's what the notes say.
0: That's what the <laughs> you know my uh, the pod bean actually says that I've got one hundred thirty-six or one hundred thirty-eight episodes. Like, there might be a couple of lost episodes I got to find wow. somewhere in the can, but. Uh, anyway
1: so how have you been I've been good yeah it's been the weather's kind of warmed up a little bit wow well, yeah what's, got what got cold and snow and then warmed warm up again uh well well it got up to uh, what did it get up to today 15 degrees Celsius which is be mid 60s probably oh Fahrenheit really? okay. Yeah, which is, it was sunny today at least.
0: That's nice. Yeah, we're finally getting, we're finally getting nice weather and spring and normalcy in some respect. (laughs) Yeah. In some respect, yeah. But it's nice to see, uh, it's finally nice to see the um, cherry trees come out and stuff like that. In, because of the, the pandemic and all the restrictions, I would have been probably heading over to our botanic garden, but, uh, I just haven't checked. There's a lot of like restrictions and, and stuff like that, so I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it this year mm. uh, during the spring time because I guess they're restricting the amount of people that show up. Okay. Um, but uh, in but Greenwood Cemetery tends to have a really nice uh, cherry blossom selection, so I end up going there because I don't have to pay and they don't have to right. no restrictions. <laughs> but yeah, I'm getting kind of tired of the winter and stuff. So yeah, same yeah. here. So um anyway this is our uh this is officially our second episode with us as host and co-host co-hosting together so far we haven't had any yeah. knockdown drag out fights yet so. not yet Well, there's it's still young the nights young. <laughs> <laughs> okay hey we're, we, um i know that uh, we had talked about this when you were a guest on the show when we were doing our um Photographer deep dives, and we were going to have the uh, cage matches. Cage matches, yeah. <laughs> and something? then I
1: started thinking, what is it we actually disagree about? And not very much. I, uh, we have to know, find something. We, we have, have to, to find something.
0: There'll have to be something. So, yeah. mm, put that on the uh, on the. Let's see if we can try to do that. And you know, it doesn't have to be a knockdown drag out, but uh, um, we got to find something that we can. We yeah. Can, uh, yeah. So uh, this is also. I mean, is it? Not even almost not worth mentioning, but finally I'm looking at you because we're recording on Skype, so I can see you. I look uh, like
1: I'm I'm coming from Mars. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> hey, did, Hopefully, there's a little drone. This time yeah. it's a drone, not a <laughs> droid, coming up and going across and then going back down again. You yeah, know? yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> And I'll talk about this in, in in a minute, but I I was I was just doing a podcast this weekend with uh Bard Bushots and, and he was like, Let's do it. On Which Skype. was awesome. It was yeah. it
1: was very, very good. You were amped, buddy. Yeah, well, I'll, like... I'll
0: hold hold that thought just for a second. I just wanted to say, but it was like he did it on Skype and I was like, I don't know why I didn't even think about doing this, because um it's actually nice to see you and I think I can talk better by like like seeing you and maybe like, you know, Interacting even if it's on the screen, but like we've been doing zoom and stuff for so long like I can sort of got used to that, but it just seems a better connection um, Cool than just I'll, a I'll make faces or whatever <laughs> you can, yeah. yeah, you can make faces and we're not recording this so nobody's gonna see the you know the nope. mess in my room or the uh, Or the
1: mess in mine, which I blurred behind the my blurred yeah. giant egghead.
0: Yeah So um, there had a few things I want to talk about and I'm thank I'm glad that you can join me tonight uh But the first I want to talk about is sort of like a a mortem, but of our our interview with uh, Melissa Breyer last month, uh, last episode, excuse me. Um, And uh, I really enjoyed that. I was uh, uh, especially I spent more time looking through the book and uh, uh, I I think I I had a really good, enjoyable time. I really appreciated your uh, like all the stuff that you were able to bring. Into the conversation, which I don't think you know, it's kind of why I'm happy that you're a co-host because I think you have some Thanks. of the things that you can bring in that I that I am unable to. So I felt well, like, like we ready.
1: said we were nervous to begin with, right? And then, <laughs> you know, I remember yeah. in one of the chats, I said she's very high functioning. I I really I really want this to be interesting. <laughs> so you know, we're just a couple of guys who you know talk on a podcast, and we're talking to this very accomplished person who you know has worked with. Uh, uh, with many others to create this great volume, so you know we had nerves. She was great. She was accommodating. She was tolerant.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and
1: yeah. Uh, and I think uh, I think it really went well. The conversation flowed pretty well, and uh, I learned a few things about interviewing. I think. Um, yeah. Like what? Yeah. Well, for me, it was sort of like we'd ask a question, and then she'd answer it, and then and then we go. Okay, next question. Sort of. You know, it was like it was just like cutting it off. Like we were making you do an essay question, and then okay, we're done with that. We'll do do another one. Like okay. you know, like the flow a little more.
0: It's our first one. I wonder what yeah, do we expect. Right. But yeah, especially with someone we didn't know. You know. Yeah, an, exactly. And I was really grateful that uh, I, I, I probably mentioned it, but the, you know, this sort of fell on our laps. You know, the yeah. uh, publicist contacted. I got the book and and asked uh, if we wanted to. Uh, interview anybody and i just realized we've a few days before the publicist is um officially off and so i wonder if we should reach out and try to find another uh oh, one or two photographers through absolutely through the publicist so i let's let's see uh, I'll, I'll probably do some emailing tomorrow and see if we can find another couple of photographers at least get their contact information and i think that yeah. we could uh, it would be great to be able to interview more people from that book cuz that was a great book that's a yeah. fantastic book and um, I, I highly recommend it too so and and you told me that uh, Melissa was on another podcast too was on the candid frame with the barianex um,
1: oh. in a lot of ways they she, as she was on with Emily San, uh, she was on with Emily Sanchez so she was another contributor to the book And I would say uh, that they continued the discussion that we started So oh, if you really? listen to yeah. ours first and then go to the candid frame um, it's a nice well-rounded. Um, Iberian X knows how to interview, so he yeah. got a lot yeah. of context and cultural stuff that we didn't cover. Yeah. And uh, I think it, you know, I would recommend the Candid Frame at any time. Uh, but yeah. particularly now with, uh, you know, us talking to Melissa, um, and, yeah, and, it turned out and, really well.
0: Yeah, and just as you're reminding me that uh, a shout-out, a definite shout-out to Iberian X because I emailed him. Um, and asked him about, because uh, I was nervous about the interview with Melissa, and I asked him for any kind of advice uh, about interviewing so that we would, you know, at least well, I could, you know, make the best out of it. We can make the best out of it, excuse yeah. me. I'm still getting this, we and <laughs> I, I think. Sorry. Right. Uh, and he was very kind to respond and, and gave me some advice and sent a cheat sheet, the, the, what they send to the, what he sends to the guests ahead of time. And I used that as a as sort of a template and, and uh, um, so I I've found that uh, uh, kindred spirit in X and like wanting to sort of live up to that kind of interview. I mean, it's great that he's doing it. I don't know if we'll ever get to, we'll ever, you know, me, my personal self. I don't know if I can get yeah. to that status, but uh, certainly use him as a as a template of making great, great interviews with photographers. And uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, shout out to him. I'll put the we'll put the link to the to that episode in the show notes so people can just go directly to that. So, yeah. uh and speaking about podcasts, I just wanted to also make another shout out to um uh, Bart Bushot and uh, his Let's Talk Photography podcast. And uh, he contacted me last week. Almost, I would say last minute. But it felt like last minute, but um he like I know he does that close to the time he wants to record. He goes, "You want to record this weekend?" I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> um but he had told me about this before uh he was doing a series of um he had me on the show uh to um advocate a photographer who i really liked and i believe it was uh uh irving penn penn yeah it was a pen i think it was penn because he mentioned it in the show that he he mentioned in the show and I, i i don't know why i thought it was uh walker evans but maybe i was talking about doing him later but anyway uh uh we had a that time was a great conversation. And at the end of it, he reminded me he was like, oh, you know, I want to do the same kind of thing with you interviewing me about my favorite photographer. I said, OK, great. Mm-hmm. So he reached out last week and, and he wanted uh, me on the show to interview him about a photographer from the uh, 40s and 50s, early 60s, uh, a, a gentleman named O Winston Link. And I, I forget what the O stands for. Yeah, Do you I, know? I haven't looked no, it up, no. No. <laughs> and so, uh, and this photographer, and you know him. Um, no, of him. Ward, I don't know him. You know I, of I, I him. have yeah, a
1: conversation but, with him or anything. But yeah, well, no. No he, of him.
0: I don't think he's alive anymore. Uh, no, but, I think he passed away around 2000. Uh, yeah, 2000, 2001. But I had no idea of this guy. And... Uh, and i really didn't have any time to research and so uh bart was kind to send me some some links and stuff like that but the photographer uh, winston link oh winston link was a railway photographer and mm-hmm. um when we get into the discussion about what the difference is people think you know well he's taking pictures of trains and and yeah. uh, bart was really you know adamant in saying he doesn't take Pictures of trains. Trains are part of what he's taking shots of, but it's not right. only about the train. It's about the railway. Railway. The yeah, that
1: was a great discussion. I would not have. I would just look at. You guys were talking about the book too. That uh, the, one of the books that came out for him, from him, um, and you were talking the difference between the railway and the trains. I, I thought that was. I had never thought of it like that. I just look at it as an aesthetic. The book mm-hmm. and his pictures is an aesthetic thing, but the way he contextualized it in your in that episode was was really great.
0: Yeah, and and if you look at Bart's photography, I mean, he's really he, Bart's shooting um or photographing the trains in Ireland. Yeah. And he's trying to do the same, you know, his version of that of trying to yeah. capture the entire context or something. But I yeah. thought it was I what was great for me was that because I didn't really study up too much on on link Prior to that, I was really just going by the photographs. And I read a little bit on Wikipedia, so I knew he was from Brooklyn, and mm. uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Another <laughs>
1: Brooklyner. I, I
0: know. It's
1: you like, guys are everywhere.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not from Brooklyn. I mean, I live— Oh, in oh I'm sorry. I'm, well, living there. No, that's okay. it's okay. It's <laughs> okay. Get in trouble. <laughs> but, Street fight. I yeah. I don't have the accent. I don't know Brooklyn people. have the accent. But anyway, um, but being able to, like, sort of live learn— and and uh, explore this photographer Mm -hmm. uh, was actually a really exciting experience for me just because i didn't have to think about it i didn't have any script in mind and just the i think the the the, what you probably experienced in the show is me exploring it yeah of course bart knew way more about him than than i did but um like it helps a lot
1: sorry it helped a lot that he that link was The the content in the book was very striking, beautiful, aesthetic images. It was not like you were trying to Jackson Pollock, you know, some kind of abstract um, thing. You know, it was, they're beautiful pictures. And You turn the page and you're like, oh, my God. And he used what to take these pictures? (laughs) And what? And the effort required, you know, is amazing.
0: Do you have that book?
1: I do not. no, No, I could not get one
0: you you've actually tried to look I for them I
1: I looked and uh, either they were unavailable or I couldn't afford it probably oh. more of the latter
0: Yeah cuz Bart said that they were out of print and stuff yeah. Um and and you know of him because you also sent me like your most what'd you call it link link esque
1: I think there's a term you guys you coined I think or you guys coined on the podcast yeah so I went down uh we were going to uh, take my or we were we we're going to we did Took the mother-in-law down to Yuma, Arizona, and while we were dropping her off there, the uh, Union Pacific uh, Railway had um, the largest steam locomotive built in the United States. I think they had eight of them at one point, and uh, it was built specifically to get trains up the hill to Durango, Colorado, from uh, from um, Utah, between oh. Utah and Colorado, high narrow or not narrow, just steep paths. So they built these giant locomotives, and um, there's only two that are in operational capability. And in October 2019, there was one that was making a a celebration tour uh, around the country. And it happened to be in Yuma, Arizona, the weekend that we were there with uh, the mother-in-law. So I got up at 6.30 in the morning and went (laughs) to visit, because it was leaving, I think, at 8 or something, and uh, with the sun rising, and the sun was rising behind the train. So, of course, now everything's going to be in shadow, whatever. So I did my best, and I was actually thinking about or maybe contemplating or praying to, oh, Winston Link, please <laughs> make these pictures turn out. Because I had this black and white thing, and it was this beautiful black and gray, greasy, giant locomotive that I took pictures of. And, uh, and I actually sold um, actually right, I actually sold a few that, of those yeah. Print. yeah, I sold a giant print to um, a man and his son in Tennessee to put up in their railway, in their model railroad room. Really, and it was uh, yeah, it wow. was um, sixty inches across. So, yeah, it was uh, sixty it was inches. Sixty inches across. So five foot there, print. Would you have five to, foot uh, wide? Yeah.
0: Wow, did you like, after? sorry, the, the the geek in me is thinking, did you have to upsample it and stuff like that? Or? Yep, you, I made yeah, a okay, TIFF, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I made a yeah. giant TIFF, I think it was 400 megabyte TIFF. Wow. It was bigger than that. <clears throat> and the and, picture uh, you
0: sent me, the picture, the picture you sent me over in, in Discord, yep. uh, that wasn't the shot that you sold, was it? No,
1: I sold that one to, oh, I sold really? two of those. Yeah. That's not, the one you're looking at is not the last one, that one's got a few problems. Um, that was just one and I dug out of my Flickr Flickr stream. Um, yeah. but no, the finished one was a little bit crisper than that one. and that one I sold to a couple in the Monterey Peninsula and uh, to um, um, friend of a friend in the u k.
0: So what um, and you can probably answer this. i I like trains, but not like not to the extent that you know, well, I'm, I got, got bar- sort what of
1: passionate about it because it was an opera. My father was a diesel mechanic for many years, so really, he oh. like yeah, he worked, um, yeah, he worked in farm machinery for a while, and uh, when I was a kid, so he you know, he was always telling me you know an idling engine is a you know music and all that kind of stuff, and so I kind of got that. I, don't, I won't say an affinity. I, I'm I'm an uncertain mechanic, but at least I know what's going on. I'm just not you know I don't have a lot of talent. Um, that my father had, but my father would have loved this thing, this yeah. giant locomotive yeah. and how it worked. So that was going through my head. And then I researched the crap out of what this train is and how special it is. Um, I remember one statistic, I think, was that it was the heaviest human conveyance or a, a, a man-made conveyance uh, on the planet until 747 started to fly heavy. Really? So, yeah, the drive wheels. There's there's 16 drive wheels on it, and the weight on those drive wheels is 585 thousand pounds.
0: <laughs> okay, big. Yeah, and so uh, how does that drive? How does that drive your picture taking of it? Like, what is? Well, it, like, what are you trying the, to do when you're taking a shot of the train? I mean, I know Link was. And I don't want to give away too much, but I know Link was yeah. trying to capture the the. I want to say the macro scale of this stuff, mm-hmm. and and, and uh, at least in the shot you're showing me here, really of the vehicle itself. So you're yeah. more concentrated. But what is it? What are you trying to get in the picture? So when you photograph this.
1: I'm trying to imagine that I'm a railway geek, which I'm sort of not. I'm a mechanical, more of a mechanical geek. So I wanted pictures of it as if the train was about to go by. It's just parked there, right? It's just sitting there. Not doing anything. So I wanted, like, here it is coming, sort of coming toward you in that mm-hmm. kind of whatever cinematic way, even though it's static. My favorite pictures, maybe I can send those along or we can put them in the show notes or whatever. The side views of the actual mechanism of the drive wheels, which there's tons of detail. Mm-hmm. And your eye just pours over. Okay, this is connected to that. That's connected to that. So the power must come through the piston here push this over and there's some idler thing going on here and oh look that's an oiler like the little parts and components of it mm-hmm. there's a kind of um a beauty and genius in the detail that you're looking at and this is the highest expression of steam locomotion uh, you know in north america so there was something special about these trains uh, so if you can capture that um you know that that was that was my overarching um I wanted pictures that my dad would appreciate. Uh-huh, we would say, "Look uh-huh. at that," uh-huh. you know. He, 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 well, he grew up in the business, and 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 I kind of followed along a little bit. You'd get these parts manuals that would show an assembly for some part of some tractor or something, and it would be an exploded view, you know, of here are all the parts and here's how they go together and so on, like a like a model, like a hobby model. And so I kind of had that. You know, parts manual aesthetic. <laughs> you know, I wanted <laughs> I wanted the pictures to be lined up. I didn't want to do any transformation or anything crazy mm-hmm. like that. I want mm-hmm. to be in the right place, frame it so that I didn't have to crop anything, and just show you know here here's the detail that you're looking at, and that's the point of it. It's not it's not really meant to be an aesthetic you know sunset picture or, a, or a sport picture or whatever. It's just the the weight and the the you know you know that kind of a subject lends itself easily and nice well, easily and I uh, think beautifully to black and white. So mm-hmm. of course that was always the point to shoot them in black and white.
0: Yeah, I mean there so you have there all these tones and details problem. and it's yeah.
1: just oh there's just so much to look at. Yeah. So I just well I like I'm to saying, see some saying, of those.
0: Yeah, definitely sure. like to see some of the detail shots. I mean you know I look at a locomotive or the old style. Why is the old style stuff always looks so much better? Yeah. <laughs> New things. Yeah. Um, there's form over function function over form but you know to um, imagine like being able to spend a day you know if possible like with a camera uh surrounding you know walking around one of these Mm -hmm. magnificent machines um could probably shoot a thousand pictures of it and uh um, yeah each one of them them. yeah yeah.
1: i'm trying to i don't remember how many i shot was because I was only there for about an hour in half. So I probably did. Yeah, I wouldn't have enough time. Two or three hundred.
0: It's, it's just, I mean, I, I can see it. I, I mean, I've seen shots of locomotives before, and of course, they you know, you know, when you get to the details too, you just get to see all that craftsmanship, and like you were just saying, I was picturing my mind's eye that this is connected to that, and that's connected to this, and so it it can um, a photograph like that could really just uh, pull your imagination around, you know, you can. Mm-hmm. Just imagine where things are going and what they're doing and stuff like that. So it, yeah, so I could see that uh, that appeal um uh as a you know in a sense it's also a work of art too. You know? absolutely. Um engineering art or just art. I mean, we can just leave it leave it alone. And that. its physical presence not just its mass
1: but because the boilers are working. Now they they're not using coal. They use a diesel burner. Yeah, or a bunker oil. It's actually bunker oil. So the bunker oil goes in and it gets preheated, and then it goes through and you know it burns whatever. Um, but the
0: you, count- heat, you can feel the heat coming
1: off of yeah. it while it's sitting there.
0: Yeah, here's a question: How do you, how do you? I mean, it's, I don't know if you can answer it or even ponder it a little bit, but how do you capture the massiveness of of a of a um, machine like that in a photograph? And I asked this because i was just thinking like uh, you know if uh, in one of my classes what is it my, my street my um oh gosh darn it a uh, smartphone photography class yeah trying to describe the lenses you know and like a, uh, a not like an iphone that's got three lenses and now we've got the ultra wide angle lens right and i always say like you know i, I use a picture of a uh a crane at, at a um at, the, at a pier Yeah, and I say using the wide lens, the ultra wide lens, really emphasizes the size of the uh, of the legs that are holding up the crane. Yeah, because often a regular picture can't capture the massiveness of something, and so you have to do something extra to make it to give it that feel of whatever. In this case, with the crane, I want it tall and massive. And so, how would you do that with? uh, with like a locomotive, like that you're photographing or like Link is photographing. What, what would you do to get that sense of like, cause I know you stand next to one of these things and you're probably, you know, half as tall as one of the wheels. Right. And you said the heat's coming off of it. So it's a yeah. respect, like it's a device that you need to respect. Cause it's yeah. just, you know, I think of like a large animal. Yeah. So how do you get that? How do you, how do you do that? How do you get that? Well,
1: Let's see. Well, I did take a, a shot with my 16 quite a ways back, where there's a picture of the entire locomotive and its tender behind it, and a bunch of people kind of scattered in front of it. So there's that. Now, the whole it looks like a long this long barrel kind of thing that's on the track. So, in terms of the scale of the actual photograph, how much it's taking in the actual frame, it's not that much. But you look. Mm-hmm. You look at the train and com- or you look at the locomotive in comparison to the people and you go, oh, my God, that thing is huge. Um, so
0: putting something in scale next to put it. Put into
1: scale. Also, too, when you're taking the pictures of the detail works that are in the mechanisms on the side of the unit, uh, you show the tracks and the uh, – um, um, what are they call the, the wood underneath? Um mm,
0: not the ties.
1: The, uh, uh, no. Ties. Uh, t- yeah, tie, uh, ties, railway ties. <laughs> t- uh, ties I actually yeah. know something about trains. <laughs> Yay. We'll get through this, man. We'll get through this. Yeah. So you see the ties and the and the and the railway, uh the actual rails themselves mm-hmm. and to the target audience, which is, you know, truthfully, I mean they're beautiful on their own, but really it's gonna be the train nerds who are really gonna appreciate this. They will see that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, And the drive wheels, we're getting into statistics again, the drive wheels are 60 inches in diameter. Wow. Wow. So, and there's 16 of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: crazy. It's crazy. And then uh, I guess also imagining that, like you said, you sold a print that was 60 inches long. So printing it large um, helps obviously get that sense of scale in it Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, you wouldn't want it necessarily... you know, a four yeah. by five little print of it necessarily. Well, it's just prister-
1: it's I I mean I've got a uh, an eight by ten of one of those side views of the four of the the rear four drive wheels, um, and it's pretty stunning even at eight by ten. You're like, yeah. what is this thing? You know, oh, yeah. how much right. more of it is
0: there? Yeah. All right. No. All right. Well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, actually, I'm glad you liked the the show. And uh, I, I did.
1: And it was right at my alley. I was like, oh, and so I'm like. I, I I I'm raising my hand. Oh, I'm not part of this discussion. Oh, well, Maybe next time.
0: <laughs> and uh, I did leave it with the uh, Bart that we need to have him on the show uh, very fast. So okay, uh, let's figure out what we want to talk to him about and and get him on. Because I realize I, I've been meaning to have him on the show for a long time, and I've just hmm. been sort of lazy and and you know the inertia moving is hard. But uh, now that now that we're together, I feel like we can. Yeah. Like I've got that energy now to to um, keep the show going and make it yeah. interesting, so I want to have Bart on. So, but thanks for thanks for the thanks for the views and thanks for listening. And and, and uh, what's Bart's show called again? I to make it sure is get called that Let's Talk Photography. Let's Talk Photography. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'll put a link to that show in there. He also does a, a show called Let's Talk. like Let's Talk Apple. Let's Talk Macintosh. Uh, and he talks, um, and he speaks a lot with Allison Sheridan. Uh, and, and I have I to think, actually credit both of them as part of the uh, people who got me involved in podcasting, you know, hmm. indirectly, directly, and whatnot, being on their shows and stuff like that. So uh, great, great energy, and uh, it's great having them. So we'll get them on and we'll figure out what to talk about. we will get uh, part on. Go we'll cool. figure out something. something popped up in, in Facebook that, that I was like, okay, you know, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. And uh, basically, let me get the, uh, let me get the picture up here, the screenshot, what I did, what I wrote. Um, just a little backstory, basically, I and mean, people know this. Uh, I bought, um, and this is something that you said you're going to have in your in your lens store, mm-hmm. but it's a 7 Artisans 35mm uh, uh, F 0.95 lens all yeah. right uh it's not one of their cheaper lenses uh but it wasn't bad it was like it was like 250 ish yeah. i think or 300 i can't remember it's a, a relatively cheap lens it's just um, a little
1: more than the 12 millimeter which is yeah yeah
0: more expensive lens. Yeah. and this was a new lens too this is a yeah. new one that they came one, out yeah. with yeah And, uh, what's the big deal about this? Um, well, I love seven artisans lens. They're like, they're sort of all over the board with their quality. And I feel that they've challenged me creatively. The first lens I bought from them was a 25 millimeter lens. And it's, it's, you know, it's kind of foggy or dark vignetting at the edges and like that, but it creates something. And so I've been buying their lenses and, uh, this one came out, and I realized with the camera that I have, which is the uh, in the Fuji system, so I have the um, you know, the XT10 and the XT20 and the XT2, that um, I would be able to have a lens aid number one that would be able to shoot in relatively low light for certain situations, but because of the wide aperture, but then I would also be able to get a pretty shallow depth of field in the shot. Uh, with this kind of lens and now why is that a big deal because generally with the and without get I don't want to get all technical about this, but um, Generally with the lens selection that's available for APS-C sensor cameras, you don't often get uh, a Lens that can give you an incredibly shallow depth of field. You have to have a lens. that's uh yeah. that has a very wide wide aperture and There are a lot of technical issues with that in general. Uh, I think of the a,
1: Fuji 50 f1
0: the Fuji 50F1, which is an ex- incredibly expensive lens, yeah. I think. It's like over a thousand. Is it twelve hundred? I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's it ain't cheap. Uh it's also a 50 millimeter lens. So it it translates in terms of the crop sensor to a, a medium telephoto yeah. or portrait lens, let's say 75 millimeter. Uh and I can't afford it, right? So yeah. the seven artisan comes up and I realize it's a 35 you know, it gives me the equivalent of the Nifty 50, which is the kind of lens I grew up with, right, mm-hmm. on my film camera. And I can get a similar kind of shallow depth of field when I want to. And uh, that's the whole purpose of this lens. I mean, partially being able to shoot in a dark environment because you get you can open up wide. But it's a manual lens, too. It's not an autofocus lens. So yeah. it, it's troubling. Like, if you're trying to shoot in the dark with that, whew, it's not easy. It's not easy to focus that lens. But like on normal lighting, I can shoot, you know, I can get, you know, a fairly narrow depth of field if I want. I can even close down a little bit to like F1 or 1.4 and I can still get that narrow depth of field. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, for some strange reason, I just had the feeling of posting a couple of shots that I took of my cats because they were sitting on the bed. And I loved the show. They were nice shots. And of course, you know, this is the Internet and there has to be cat pictures (laughs) involved. I photograph, you know me, I photograph my cats all the time because they're the ones around. Yeah.
1: Your first lens, Uh, you get a new lens, your first lens test is a picture of the cat.
0: Always of the cat. And there's actually a lot of good reasons for that, too. There's a lot of things you can actually check, you know, the sharpness, chromatic aberration, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so on a Fuji group on Facebook, I posted two shots of two different cats. And I just wrote, I'll just rewrite what I wrote. So I said, for anyone, for anyone of us who wants that nifty 50 millimeter, quote unquote, full frame look, I still can't say enough good things about the 7 Artisans 35mm f.095. It's got some chromatic aberration issues in certain conditions. And believe me, there there's there some really – it's a little nasty in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't let it bother me. And I don't. I don't let it bother me. Uh, and here's some cat pics. They're <laughs> pretty much wide open on my X-T2. And I said, sorry, all I have to work with are cats. And I put them up, and I didn't expect to get – I got some comments uh, started. and basically started with um, one person – Saying, uh, and I think you know, he was being genuine. I don't think he was being trolly or anything like that. And yep. actually appreciated the conversation. He says, I don't understand the point of shooting that wide for the hell of it. What does it achieve? Right. And uh, I answered, well, in my case, I get to blur out a very distracting bedding in the background. And uh, I did ask what his objections were to it. And just, I wasn't trying to start a fight. I, yeah. You know, I'm trying to get past that. But someone, someone said... Um, let me see where was it uh, that got me started. Hang on, I'm looking at the. Uh... Oh gosh, should have had this up before I started. Um, it did spark a discussion about people saying why, why would you want why it, the reasons why shallow depth field and narrow right. focus would be uh, interesting. And someone said it, it's kind of calming, you know. Um, when you look at the pictures like that. And someone also said it kind of emul- emulates on a smaller camera what you might get with a medium format or full-frame camera or a medium format right. camera, where you can get a very shallow depth sure. of field. And
1: not have to be at 0.95. Cause,
0: and not have to be at 0.95, correct. Right. you know, Or have to do any kind of weird Photoshop weirdnesses to blur the background. Or like I think that. of
1: view camera images of portraits where people are sitting, you know, six feet away from the camera and – even at f five, six, or something, it's like it's really right. narrow depth. And
0: field. I remember, I remember those days when I we was shooting with when I shot with a view camera. I mostly did it in school, and you really have to stop down a lot in order to mm-hmm. get. Especially because we were doing um, more times than that, we were doing product shots. You know, right. uh, and with that, you don't want shallow depth of field. No. You want you want everything, and you're shooting at like yeah. a, a model of a tele, a telephone model. Mm-hmm. Um, A telephone headset, handset, you know, with dials or something like that. And you want that whole thing in focus. And with the the larger cameras, you'd have to stop down as far as you could. You had to throw so much light onto the set in order to get it high depth of field because you wanted the entire thing sharp. You really worked hard at getting it sharp. And you couldn't shoot product shots with a 35 millimeter because trying to get that deep depth of field was almost, I'm going to say impossible, but it was very difficult Mm -hmm. to do. So I, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to talk with you because otherwise I'm gonna talk by myself. And so I didn't wanna talk by myself. I wanted to talk to you about the sort of the implications of like depth of field or shallow depth of field and and just what you think about it. And like I, I look at this stuff and I can't tell if I'm excited by it because I haven't had it in a long time. I've been APS-C sensor. Mm, that's a good point. I've been APS-C sensor since I got my first digital camera which was a Nikon D100. Yeah. And I think they did APS-C sensors. I, I can't speak specifically for Nikon's reasons for doing that, but it was probably a less expensive sensor right. to put into a camera. And so we had to deal with the crop, um, the crop, and the sense that the lenses that I already had were not going to work the same. We're not going to get me the same um, kind of effect that they did on film. You film, know, yeah. uh, I'd have to reduce my uh, my focal length a bit and. And when you do that, you actually change. Like, if I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to emulate a 50 millimeter, I use a 35 millimeter, but that changes right. the way the, the image looks different, you yeah. know, because it's essentially cropping it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I wanted to sort of bounce that around with you a little bit uh, uh, and see what you had to think about it uh, in well, those terms. I, and
1: yeah, because I never, I mean, the I did have a 50 f 1.4 on my Pentax back in the day film camera. Film camera, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't remember often shooting at one, f- 1.4. I, unless I was in some, um, uh, shooting some, um, community event in the rink or something, you know, shooting at the, uh, where the light was bad. And I had this, Oh, I had this 1.4 lens. And so it helped me gather more light. And then of course it became difficult to focus my day to day now or, pre-pandemic, has been street photography where I'm always at f4 or or smaller and mm-hmm. jacking ISO up so that I can get more in focus on shooting from the hip. I don't have to think about focusing. So I, I don't operate in the mode very often of have wanting or needing a shallow depth of field. That being said, um, you know, I've been playing around with these now that I have the store, um, I'm playing around with macro stuff and just doing uh-huh. close focusing for the heck of it. And buying third-party lenses like this uh, This Nikon Micro Nikkor, um, um, what is it? It's a 55-millimeter. What a beautiful lens, that thing yeah, is. Yeah, I used to have that And close-up. And, mm-hmm. you know, you shoot stuff close-up. And now I'm starting to appreciate the macro uh, the macro capabilities and the razor-thin uh, depth of field.
0: mm
1: mm-hmm. um, in terms of of aesthetic, I think I understand the calming uh, comment. Um, it's sort of like those um, those pictures that that are all the rage now, where you take a, 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 a sort of a normal picture and then you do the tilt shift effect, uh-huh. where it looks like this thing miniature. that is actually yeah. improper. It looks miniature. Yeah, and it's sort of a childhood or whatever you want to call it, a calming reflective, asp- uh, whatever feeling that you get when you view those kind of images. Or you take a picture of a flower and you just get the pistol and the stamen in focus and the petals are all out of focus, those sort of things. Um, but I, I sense you're definitely more passionate about it than I am. Um, I just haven't d- d- got a lot of practice at it yet. I understand I understand the implications of, of shallow depth of field, um, mostly coming from... It's been difficult to deal with, and now I'm kind of seeking it out when I'm playing with these other lenses. Um,
0: but it's only for a certain segment of for us a For certain, with, exactly. For the just, like if you, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm saying if you have if you have a full frame camera, or you're working with a medium format camera. These were never issues, right? Yeah. This was, you know, you would get it. You would get a shallow depth field if you used this lens at this at this opening. You wouldn't right. get it, whatever. You know, right. thinking about people like the you know, the Canon 5D, whatever. Like that was always, I think, the first one. that, uh, Whatever the Canon model is, I don't follow it exactly, but I think the Canon was maybe one of the first to have a full-frame sensor. And so when you compared, you know, when you compared Nikon to Canon, people looking at Canon is like, oh, well, look, you can get – you know, it's full frame. You can get it to look like film again. Right. You know, um, and and uh, so people who have had full frames all the time I would always um, were used to it. And in fact, I you know, I always found myself defending <laughs> the smaller sensor camera for some reason, saying, you know, someone would come up to me. And actually, this guy did once come up to me and said what are you shooting with? And I said, uh, I can it was Nikon or Fuji. He was, like, he was like, well, why do you do that camera? Said, because that's the camera I've got. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's uh, inferior compared to the, you know, the full frame camera and blah, blah, blah. And I think it was referring to partially the- uh, The sensor uh, size. Just the sensor says. size and how, it how you know, with the same kind of lens, you, you get a, uh, with the same focal length lens, you get a different um, effect of uh, depth of field. Yeah. There we go. We got the racing going on. Wow. behind me. I don't know if you could hear it.
1: It sounded like a werewolf. That's what here. I
0: thought it was for a second. It was a werewolf. I'm like,
1: is it a full, oh, it's the pink moon? The pink moon is.
0: Yeah, thing. yeah. I, just, I missed the photograph of it. This Well, I photographed enough moons over Brooklyn. But anyway, so, you know, it's always been, you know, I've always felt a little defensive about it, you know, and like, yes, I could have spent money and bought a full frame camera. Nikon didn't come out with a full frame camera for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't matter because when they finally came out with them, I was like, I was probably going on Fuji anyway, just because I like the um, big fan of the color and stuff like that. So I, you know, and Fuji doesn't seem to be going into any full frame mode except for their medium no. format, which is different. Yeah. Uh, more expensive as well. Uh, but but ge- anyway, generally, I would, I would find myself like saying, you know. Yeah, no, my ca- I like my camera, I like the sensor, I'm happy with it, I can afford it, I can get lenses for yeah. it. And then there's some part of me like, damn, you know, I really wish I could have had that ability once in a while to get, you know, like get kind of a shallow depth of field with the kind of lenses that I would like. Yeah. And it's just, it wasn't as easy to do that, not to get the same kind of effect. So, um, so I've always felt that kind of uh, longing, and I am want to say inferior thing to it. but. And so when you say I'm excited about it, it's like because I haven't had it for so long, right. or I haven't done it, you know. And so, the, when this lens came out, and I was seeing, well, actually, uh, even Seven Artisans 25 millimeter is a, I think it's an f14. And I, I'm yeah. sorry for the for the, I'm not saying for the audience. This is a little bit of a geeky thing, but this is a tool that we're using yeah. to get these effects. So I have to talk about that a little bit. But the 25 millimeter allowed a bit of a shallow depth of field to it that I liked, uh, especially mm-hmm. had some vignetting and whatnot. And it was an $80 lens. So <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, um, I wasn't expecting like incredible quality for it, but it really started to capture that thing. And when, when someone said that was calming and I thought, oh, is this like the, uh, photography version of what is that thing where people listen to the sounds that are like this? Oh, like this. ASMR. ASMR. Is this the, yeah. the photographic version of ASMR? Like, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> it was like. I would like to see some. I would would rather
1: have the photography version of ASMR than the sound version because it's annoying.
0: (laughs) I I understand it more. Yeah, it's a little less crazy, I think. But um, it it did resonate when someone said calming, you know, and I think, you know, well, there's some practical parts of that because when you're like, I was shooting the cats in the bedroom and they really didn't want to see the crumpled up pillows behind them. And so you know, by separating them from that background right. uh, and just being able to focus on them and then seeing their, like in this case, these two shots, the cats are very relaxed. Uh, I mean, they're, they're you know, as relaxed as cats can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does have that effect. It does yeah. have that, that uh, calming. This is what, you know, you know, I have cats because they reduce, you know, the, and only have cats because they reduce blood pressure, but this is like, that's the, that's the feeling I get when I look at them in person. Right. Even though my eyes are, are, uh, almost, you know, an incredibly deep depth of field, right? I yeah. don't have a shallow depth of field vision really. Um, yeah. but the funny thing is you mentioned the macro stuff and a while back in when I was doing stock photography and this, this is funny because this ties back to trains in a way I used to photograph these little people that were, um, models, uh, the prizer model uh, people for H.O. scale trains. Okay. Uh, so when you would create a diorama for trains and you wanted to populate it, you'd have these little H.O. scale, scale people, people. Yeah. which I couldn't, I mean, roughly, they're about a half an inch tall, maybe three quarters of an inch, three quarters of an inch, I'm you not know, great at that little size, but yeah. they would have tons of people doing different things, you know, businessmen, right. Bakers people shoveling and way back when I bought these figures and I would use them for stock photography and when I, When I would do macro shots with them It was actually a benefit to have the shallow depth of field on them because it right. kind of obscured The the fact that they were these little toys, you know right. And so like a part of them were sharp and a part of them was not sharp And so they began to actually look more like real people okay. than they would have if I had put a lot of depth of field in them and made them sharp, then you would have seen that they're little toy. Like you would have known it would have been more explicit that there were little toys. So when you talk about the macro part, like macros, um, I know sometimes when you're doing macro shots, you do want a lot of sharpness. Yeah. Like if you're maybe, you know, recording something like an insect or a flower, yeah. you want it really sharp, but I can see that, that also desire to, to sort of make things a little bit more mysterious in, in the, in the micro world as well.
1: I'm actually, when you're describing that, and uh, I had mentioned before about flowers and macro, Um, the guy on YouTube, uh, Simon Zutak guy, he takes those long lenses, the 135s and the 200s, and shoots pictures of stems of flowers coming through fences and that sort of thing. And he gets that really sharp, uh, shallow depth of field in a longer lens, like in a Mm -hmm. much longer lens. And some of those images, he's got such practice at it; they're really arresting and calming. Um, you know, he, he they're as much a work of art as they are a lens test. Like, just he just glosses over this, and I find this with you know his great English accent that he has. Um, you know, really as a real Boca monster, and we're looking at this and like, <laughs> suddenly the picture's gone out the frame. And like, back that up. They want to take a look at that picture, but. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, you know selection of equipment and all that that sort of stuff, um, you know there are other options, right, um, to create that effect. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of that when you're talking about, uh, you know, when you're talking about these different lenses in in the um, um, in the APS-C, you know, in the in the smaller uh, frame mm-hmm. uh, world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, these these lenses were all designed for for full frame, and you know you adapt them to our Fuji's or F- Sony's or whatever, um, you know, you get some pretty pretty stunning effects with them.
0: Yeah. And as you were saying this, I was thinking, like, you naturally get the shallow depth of field when you're using a telephoto lens. It just, it will sort of, yeah. you know, it locks focus on something and then the background, you know, inevitably goes out or the foreground goes out. Yeah, I, What it just reminded me of is that the main part of what I want it would be able to have a, a wide-angle lens Um Mm. with a shallow depth of field so that I could capture, like if I was shooting with a uh, large format camera, you can use a wide angle lens. And even when you use a wide angle lens, you can get a shallow depth of field. And that's the thing to try to emulate with a smaller sensor, because I'm really not going to whip out my four by five (laughs) anymore and and buy film and slap it around, you know, the streets of Brooklyn. Although I'm, you know, I could do that. Um, Well,
1: I'm waiting for those, the, the, Digital four by five backs that are going to slide into our view cameras, right? They're then, going to
0: cost like fifty thousand. Uh, what? Well, they'll come down. <laughs> yeah.
1: Price of technology will come down, and then you just yeah. you plug it into your Mac, and then yeah. you will, you cart that around the field.
0: But they, you I'm know, then that. yeah, with it with that kind of camera, you can get you know uh, you could get uh, sort of a wide shot. Like it would be great to take a picture of a building, you know, a large building, and have it like not. And have it separate from the background, rather than yeah. having it it automatically blend in. And you know, uh, yeah. and I don't really like you know fake. Uh, I want to say oh, this. The
1: computational.
0: It depends. I mean, because you know, I'm doing I'm doing the project with the uh, trees at Greenwood, and I'm using computational right. uh, um, uh, photography on my iPhone to get the trees because a couple of reasons. What well, a it's a wide angle lens, and the separation is important. For me, and so I, right. I don't have that ability. Even with the thirty-five millimeter lens that I've got on my XT two, I can't move back far enough. I can't get that um, expansiveness of a wide angle with a shallow depth of field. So the right. computational photography is working for me there. Yeah. But I mean, also I don't like. I, I really don't want to post process. I'm, I'm really trying to move away from spending time in Photoshop and stuff like that. So as much as I can do in camera, whether it's computational photography on an iPhone or with a lens that's a, you know, a wide angle and very shallow depth field. Right. I'd rather do that. Yeah. You know, um, like these shots of my cats, like I literally just pulled them right out of the camera and they were beautiful. It it was just, th- Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I've, I've probably been saying this a lot. I I'm really trying to move away from, thank you. I'm really trying to <laughs> that's move my away ride. from, yeah, yeah. move away from like spending time in front of the computer or even processing on my phone if I can avoid it, you know, and trying yeah. to get stuff most out of the camera. Um I did want to read where is it? I did find the guy's comment, uh, uh, who's talked about commenting. He said, very nice separation, gives emphasis. So this is talking mm-hmm. about the shots of the cats. Pleasing roll off and non-distracting background. We were just talking about that way to produce an image with subject emphasis. You've done a good job. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Um what else did he say? He goes, There's no right or wrong. Art is a personal expression. You've captured the calming spirit of your cats with these photos. I enjoyed viewing them. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I sort of acknowledge that idea of the calming thing. Right. But uh, uh, So, you know, I also want to talk about a little bit that it was a misconception that, uh, you know, a shallow depth of field is like sometimes people think it's more cinematic. I don't know why people think that. I mean, I, I don't understand the comment. The, I don't think everybody's saying that, but I think there are some people who think that having a, a shallow depth of field creates something that's more... Movie like, and that couldn't be f- further from the truth. I maybe think. they're just
1: thinking about a rack focus from something close to that's something a, for, Oh, you
0: think rack focus? Oh, that's you
1: interesting. Because that, you know, that effect, maybe. But that's a short-term thing. That's a that's a device, right? That's As a device. We're to, moving to, from this yeah. guy holding the gun to the target. You know, right? The and bad also, guy in the distance.
0: Yeah. Also. Um, you know film is a continuous thing there's there's always some action going on it's not it's not a still image that you're locked on right so if there's a rack focus or if there is a uh, a shallow depth of field image it's only small part of the entire production in yeah. fact i would say most of the production is done where there's a lot of things in focus. Probably more yeah. things in And focus. The
1: cameras locked down and you're watching a scene. You know?
0: Right, yeah. right. And so I don't you know, I don't necessarily see it as as cinem- cinematic. And I know there are people this the one this person in the in the um, in the chat that I was doing on Facebook didn't like it. Doesn't doesn't like that that mm. narrow separation. And it is, you know, like I said, it is hard to focus on something. I mean you do have to work at yeah. like I was focusing on the cat's eyes, and so I was able to yeah. get it. But, you know, some people just don't like that—that that everything isn't sharp. Right. Um, and
1: it depends on the on the subject too. Like my train pictures, there's—I didn't want anything to be out of focus, right? Right. That right. detail is there, sumptuous there for you to to enjoy. Where there's there's, you know, it's flat. It's just what's all the stuff that's there to look at, and you're you're imparting much more of a feeling with the cats too, and that's what your viewers are acknowledging. Um,
0: what do you think when, when you see a portrait that's done with a shallow depth of field? Like I was seeing, um, I don't know if it was a, not a daguerreotype. Uh, what are the, the wet plate processes? Yeah, um, picture of Baudelaire. Tin type or something like yeah. that.
1: What? Yeah, there's a very famous picture. I've forgotten who took it of, of Charles Baudelaire, the actor. Oh. And it was taken on a huge view camera. So and and it's just basically eyes and part of his nose and part of his mouth are in focus and everything else falls out.
0: And what do you Um, think? What is it trying to say um, uh, by doing that? I mean, what would you think?
1: Well, growing up with small format, I think. Oh, that was taken with a view camera. That's yeah, but I
0: mean, what is the photographer trying to say about the subject when they're doing something like that? I mean, what? It's not. It's not a calming. It's different than when I was doing. Well, it's a very intense Cats.
1: stare in the subject actually, um, too. So the the subject is staring into the camera like like he's angry. Um so it, it I I think it it you know, as I say that, uh, I think it really focuses his his gaze, his angry gaze at the at the camera mm-hmm. and at the viewer, you know. He's the, the he's the intense actor. So you're getting that. So that worked in that in that context Um, it's, it's, I think it does what it's, you know, I think the photographer had the intention as a viewer, though, I was saying, I'm, uh, you know, I come from a shallower, a shallower, um, (laughs) you know, all the small format, I look at these pictures and oh, we've got this, you know, very shallow depth of field. Oh, he must have been wide open or he was, you know, he was taking the view camera or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'd be searching the image, looking for technical details that would help me determine whether it was one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the photo nerd in me. Um, but, uh, you know, I keep going back to macro, to macro flowers, like trying to create some kind of lyrical, poetic, uh, beautiful, saturated, unsaturated details where they should be mm-hmm. uh, to, to, Capture, um, you know, the beauty of life. I guess. Um, in turn, that's what I would think of it when uh, you know, as a crea- as a trying to create these images. Um, yeah, I looked when I yeah that, I don't know if I'm really <laughs> answering your question. Yeah, well,
0: I don't know if I asked, answered asked the question, but uh, I mean, let me think about this for a second. Uh, you know, for me, it's it it's. Um, I mean, I really, when I first start doing digital photography, I don't know, early, I can't remember when I got my first digital camera, but I realized when I did that, I gave up this this capability of, of being able to do that kind of picture. Or, I, like, I didn't even realize I was missing it, you know, right. until I didn't have it. And I was like, shoot, yeah, I can't, yeah, no, like the, it's not working out the same. I have to move back farther. Or I have to, it's more telephoto and it's a little more compressed. And I was like, it's not getting the same look. And it was really kind of annoying. But so, it was like, you know, I've only had the lens for about a year now at the most. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't work for everything, you know. And like I said, it no. does have those technical errors. It's got some nasty green chromatic aberration depending on the angle and right. the focus. And cyan and, out the back. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to say it doesn't bother me. Sometimes it does, but it, like, I'm really trying to be overly crazy about it. But it's there. And some might bother mm-hmm. other people. Uh, and if they'll point it out to me, like, oh, you got this chromatic aberration there. Anyway. Um, and it, so yeah, it's what I got now. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's not any wider 30, you know, I wish it was a 28 millimeter, because uh, that would give me, or a 24 millimeter um, would be nice. A 16 I don't know if equivalent. That's, Yeah, I don't even know if that's physically possible for them to do or make it uh, uh, inexpensively uh, uh, available um, as a third-party lens. Uh, Or I could just, you know, go and save my money for that Fuji medium format camera and bingo, you know, then I can just shut up about it, you know. But I don't know what I would do with it. Like it doesn't work for street photography, like you're saying. I, I you know, I set my street photography cameras to f11, you know, five hundredth of a second. So I shoot from the hip, and I, yeah, I am looking for everything to be sharp. Yeah. Uh, and even if I wasn't shooting from the hip, I probably would not do shallow depth of field. Um, street shots it just wouldn't it, it might wouldn't. be a
1: good project to try one one walk for hour hour and a half walk wide open and see what you could do
0: I, excuse I, me I'm, man I'm just stand there for a just, second <laughs> i want to make sure
1: your eyelashes are in focus
0: i you know <laughs> tried that with my 25 with the with the seven artisans 25 but because it was it's just wide enough that's a nice yeah. wideness to it and i figured um and it just it's i don't know I'd have to go out with the mindset that I'm gonna miss ninety five percent of the shots. Absolutely. You know, so with, without getting anything. And I'm curious. I mean sometimes I do set I do set my camera up on autofocus. Like I'm usually when doing my street shots, yeah. I use my my uh F one hundred uh my X one hundred F now. Um X one hundred T has been has been retired mm-hmm. after eight million pictures and kind of died. Anyway, um, but I will set up the autofocus on it and I'll set a shallow, I'll I'll do it as wide open, like 2.8 and hope for the best when I'm shooting, uh, you know, if I'm getting people sitting on a bench or something like that. And it does the nice separation. I get that separation from the background and I can see that it helps a bit for some subjects, but I, re- I rarely go around trying to shoot wide open. So. Yeah.
1: Now I'm four or five, six, cause I want the buildings in the background to be out of focus. I like, and I like what I can do with the tones of the buildings and whatever and surroundings that kind of, it does a little bit of, of that shallower business, but um, I just like just, you know, Suggests that they're in an urban environment. which, Of course, they wouldn't be in anything else, but yeah, yeah. just that the background is interesting enough and has tones enough to keep it to keep it aesthetically pleasing and not draw your eye away from yeah. the people in the foreground.
0: So, you know, I guess I, to uh, I don't know much more to say about this other than yeah. um, uh, that it for me is is exciting to have that as a, a tool in my bag finally mm-hmm. for the kind yeah. of camera I have that I can. I can do that i can't imagine every single shot that i would want to do doing a, a shallow depth of field even portraits i'm not sure if i really like a shot where the nose is out of focus or the ears are out of focus you know i wouldn't mind like the head being in focus and everything else being out like a regular right. you know, like a portrait or even like a larger format portrait do like a really flat straight on yeah kind of thing but um i just wanted to i wanted to throw it out there because it's always been on my mind a little bit and like you know Still trying to figure out, like, well, what is so exciting about having this? What is yeah. so exciting about being able to shoot uh, and and separate the background and and suddenly have some of the the advantages of uh, larger f- uh, sensor frame size cameras now in you know in my bag. Yeah. And uh,
1: it's funny because I don't think of it like I've been you know coming back again. Um, I don't really think of it that way. I, I'm, I'm looking at this as discovery with these lenses that have these wide apertures. And again, the macro example, uh, you know, it's discovery for me. Um, and I think uh, th- that will, I mean, it's certainly less um, uh, less subjects and less opportunity to use that that type of uh, you know in that those types of scenarios. But I think what it's done, uh, this conversation has done for me, has really made me think m- more deeply about how I can exploit this. Like you say, another tool, um, mm-hmm. another another trick that you got in your uh, in your toolbox. Um, so I think I think this is great. I think I I've got an assignment. <laughs> uh, I'll go out, and I think I will. I, I will try shooting some street with wide open.
0: But um, well, that's that's it, your suggestion maybe i should try that as, as you well. know
1: I'm just at f2 like i've got the 23 f2 i've got the 50 f2 i've got the 16 1.4 i have not i think once i think one day I, by accident left it wide open i got a kind of a nice picture of a of a guy leaned up against a a, a lamppost
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um he's looking straight into the camera <laughs> um but he's quite you know Again, I, I, was, I was too far away, but yeah. um, you know he didn't fill the frame. But it was kind of interesting because he was sort of the only thing in focus. Yeah, that's and the that's, trick
0: with the with street stuff. You need you need to be kind of close up to get yeah a little bit more of the effect, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, I'm going to try that the next time I do I shoot uh, start shooting people. Um, I'm going to try going wide open and see what I come up with. And still shooting people's.
0: from the hip, or
1: uh, no, well, I'll do both. I'll, back, I'll see yeah. what. I may not. I may. Uh, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if it, if I'm really dissatisfied with my hit rate. Maybe I will be a little bit more aggressive and have the camera up up to my eye.
0: Well, and the other thing is just being um, being okay if the shot's not perfectly in focus. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sort of okay
1: with that. Anyway, <laughs> cause sometimes the camera's still moving. I'm not there. Yeah, I know. You're pointing, pointing get at the so, ground. We, you're pointing at the what, – yeah.
0: what are you trying to say here, Ward? Yeah. Well, we get so yeah. stuck on like there's a sharp and whatnot and really trying to to, to break out of that. And like the, not everything has to be perfectly no. sharp if the picture works. No. Um, yeah, I, got, I, I think I I'll some, give it a – sorry.
1: So I got some great pictures in Las Vegas of people waiting for the dancing waters to start, sitting on the fence oh, waiting for the yeah. show to start. And they're blurry, whatever you want to call them, motion blur. They work great though because yeah. they really yeah. – they really captured the kind of a mood of what was going on there. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm I can live with the mystery. If it's not tack sharp, that's fine. Um, Yeah.
0: I think I need to give some of this stuff a shot as the summer ramps up a little bit and I get outside more, um, start to try to move away from the, I mean, in in my own photography, I'm like realizing I'm sort of not hitting a wall, but kind of stuck in this place, uh, where all my street shots are starting to look the same. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it is about the people really. And so maybe I'm not trying to say anything with the technique, you know? Uh um, right. but maybe if I can start to impose some technique to increase the sort of the visual language of what I'm trying to capture, yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to see what I do, especially cause I'm shooting like you are saying from the hip and, uh, trying not to be, you know, more of a fly on the wall kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh. Uh, yeah. All right. Give it a try. Well, uh, I, I realize we've been talking about an hour. <laughs> about we have. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where we. I don't know what conclusion we have about this? Um, but I well, just no, want to start, Well, I start you, shooting
1: wide open. See what start happens. Start
0: shooting wide open, uh, and see what happens. And and forgive the lens its foibles at wide open because we all know that the wider the lens is open, is generally not the best sharpness of the lens itself in, in just naturally. You know, yeah. most lenses are at sh- their sharpest when they're stopped down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So go with the fact, like I know on my X100, the lens on the X100, um, the, the the every version except the X100V, the, the, wide open, the lens is a little kind of mm, foggy or something like that. People, yeah. have, people have, you know, geeked out about it and complained about it. I've actually done a lot of shots wide open, and I kind of like it. I can see that fogginess in the... Uh, and what they're yeah. talking about, but the shot itself is good enough, you know. And actually, sure. one of my, one of my most uh, viewed shots on Flickr is a shot I took when I first got the X100T, and it was of my cat. It was at ISO whatever twelve thousand, and it was wide open, and yeah. uh, it had something. It has an enormous amount of views. I don't, I don't know why, but it's it's interesting. It that, look like it, sand art or something. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know, but. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to share that little bit of enthusiasm. I like that lens. Uh, and, and again, you know, not to make this a show about lenses, which it was, <laughs> yeah. and not only because you have uh, a side business of lenses and I, you know, I happen to bought a few of my lenses from you. Um, uh, and you know, you're sponsoring the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> we get but, to
1: say the name of the
0: Yeah. Business. We'll do that at the end. But, uh, um, I just like that idea of, like, I, you know, I tell students to consider purchasing more lenses uh, than the kit lens that they have so that you can begin to expand that vocabulary. That visual have at, vocabulary. at least one
1: prime so you know what it's like to have the human zoom.
0: Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I like – I also like the fact that I can purchase third-party lenses that have all sorts of weird characteristics that also sort of drive me into – A, figuring them out and B, using them as, you know, just some creative advantage, which I tend to do, which I have a lot Mm -hmm. of fun Uh, and uh, a lot different than when I was first doing photography or it wasn't really initially for me trying to uh, be very experimental. That's just me. But now, I'm like, you know, I'm not making money from photography, so I can be as experimental as I want. (laughs) So, uh, all right. Well, I didn't think we could actually talk an hour, but we did. So, why don't we? Why don't we uh, give everybody a, a break? <laughs> so where can where, uh, let's 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 wrap it. Where can we find you in the world? Ward Rosen
1: Fine Art on Instagram. Uh, I'm Ward Rosin Photography on the web. I'm on Facebook at Ward Rosen Photography.
0: <laughs> there you go. And I, th-
1: have, uh, I have us uh, also have my uh, Ward Rosen. Um, uh, website which uh, we're uh, selling the rodeo book that Mark and I made right, in uh, right. 2016. That's at rosin.ca. R-o-s-i-n.ca.
0: And our show is sponsored by
1: sponsored <laughs> by Ornis Photo. Um, Ornis Photo. Is Ornis O-r-n-i-s, which is an anagram of rosin. Ornus Photo, and um, I sell uh, Asian-sourced uh, lens adapters and third-party lenses. Uh, right now, I'm kind of in a, in a lull right now with my inventory, but in uh, May I'll be bringing in some more lenses, including that uh, 35 uh, f0.95. And uh, So we'll see I'll be able to play with that myself, and I yeah. think it'll, it'll be good fun.
0: Actually, I, I'm remembering that I would have bought it from you, prior to the end of the year. You got me they, between so, shipments, I'm sorry. Right. So I didn't, I haven't had it for a year yet because I was remembering I was trying to buy it close to the end of the year. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I haven't had it for a year yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've gotten a few, I got that macro lens from here, which I'm going to play with this summer, that weird, funky macro yeah. lens with a little barrel that sticks out.
1: They've started to sell now because I think people have finally seen the videos for them. On oh, the yeah. review sites. Yeah. Yeah, and so I've, got, I've just got a few
0: left so that's good yeah well summer is my macro time so yeah, um, yeah. and so you can find me at anywhere at AM Rosario on Twitter, Facebook uh, Instagram it's all AM Rosario or actually on Facebook it's Rosario Photo um, that's where my stuff is and uh, yeah and then also uh, I just wanted to um, put in the in sort of a earworm, wig, whatever, that I'm starting to get a, a website together for teaching photography, which, of course, there's four million other people doing as well. But um, it will be a Street Shots branded photography class or classes uh, and uh, based on stuff that I'm doing at Brick. So it'll be really for, for photographers who are um, people who are just starting photography, not for you guys who are already... Uh, well into the field but uh, if you know people who are going to be starting uh, photography I'm, I'm really, I really like teaching people to start photography so I'm working on that website now uh, but it's going to be a Street shots cool. place yeah so uh, once I get that website up I'll let everybody know and uh, be able to uh, learn some stuff from me I hope and, and uh also, at the you know, if if anybody feels up to it and you want to buy Ward and I a cup of coffee for the show, we appreciate it. There'll be a link at the bottom which literally says "Buy us a coffee," <laughs> so um, yeah, help support the show in some way by by keeping us caffeinated. So you're a coffee drinker, right? Yeah. I am. Good. All right. yeah. Well. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for you know agreeing for this short uh, sort of last minute. Uh, show and i don't have to talk to
1: yeah myself. i didn't prepare at all and it shows
0: it shows <laughs> I know. It's like if people are already disconnected you know half an hour ago i don't blame them because we're both sitting there saying what are we going to talk about but <laughs> um i've got that a lot comes. of good feedback people people enjoy our i'm glad to have you as a co-host i think we have a good, good. report so uh, i appreciate the uh the last minute i don't want to take up you know, I know you're doing this on your own time, too, so I, uh, I'm really appreciating that. Sounds that's fine. I think most podcasters are. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's so true. Far, you know, we're doing this for coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be part of it. All right. And so we have a long list of uh, guests and people that we're going to have uh, in the future, so stay tuned for what we've got coming. And uh, anyway, at that, I'd like to, to say, I'll uh, see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye.